Welcome to Radio Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. Good morning and uh, welcome everyone to another edition of Radio Finance interview. And uh, this morning we're very happy we're at the headquarters of the network for uh, electronic transfers Singapore or more popularly known as NET. And we are here speaking with uh, the group uh, CEO of NET, uh, Mr. Lawrence Chan, uh, to talk about the evolution of NET as a payment service provider in Singapore. Uh, Chan, for us, uh, Lawrence, the, the journey that payments has made and uh, towards more cashless, more digital payments and the role that NET has, paid, has uh, played in that journey. Thank you for this opportunity um, to speak about the net story and specifically the net story in Singapore. Right. So as you rightly shared with us, the the ownership of nets is our three shareholder banks, the three local banks of Singapore. Uh, and the emphasis really is to create um, cashless um, cashless payments in Singapore with increasingly better user experiences. I think the focus on improving user experiences is very key in addition to safety and security. Right? So with safety and security, um, sometimes people take it for granted and then they look for the incremental benefit of a, of a better user experience. But we've been very focused on safety and security and now equally focused on bringing that very good user experience uh, to to the seller and to the buyer, to the consumer like you and I and to, to the merchant. Right. So Nets has been very privileged to be in a position to help solve payment pain points in Singapore. The the, uh, the the merchants on the merchant side we have uh, had many good experiences um, where we have the opportunity today to be the infrastructure provider for payments uh, especially in in the offline space or what we call the face-to-face payment right in the face-to-face payment we, are, we really have the privilege now uh, through these years to be able to place our infrastructure uh, across uh, across the merchant cashier uh, locations and this is helped with different form factors form factors where started off with plastic started off with pin as an authentication now to tap and even now with uh, mobile devices mobile devices now can even scan a qr on these terminals or sometimes it's a it's a paper static qr so at, at the from a face-to-face perspective at the merchant front we have been really given the opportunity to lead both as i would say um a front front top of mind payment brand in addition to an infrastructure player um, so in addition to payments you also mentioned the um, opportunity that nets group had in 2017 when uh, bcs and now what we call net solutions joined the, the nets group family right so within this nets group of the three entities now of nets entity bcs and net solutions we really have the privilege of trying to fulfill our purpose right um, our purpose we have on this feature wall behind us is connecting communities empowering lives 
And we now really have the privilege of bringing communities within Singapore mm-hmm. together through payments. Um, and I like to phrase, phrase it as we are really given the privilege of looking after the smallest transactions when I buy my Tau Hui mm-hmm. um, at the hawker to the largest payments in Singapore where we are helping our central bank, the MES, build things like uh, real-time gross settlement systems. Right? So really, um, if you think about it, it can be um, the responsibility is, is really great and the purpose that why we are here to really drive the payment infrastructure to buy the drive the payment brand is is really key for us um, so BCS I would say is the um, another way of describing BCS would be the um, the operator for um, for Singapore operator for payments um, where to be the operator of choice especially when uh, the sender and the receiver are from two different financial institutions mm. right so being the clearing house in Singapore for different products whether it is as you mentioned checks today uh, gyro uh, fast payments uh, and even pay now um, and with Net Solutions, we've given the privilege of, of uh, building different payment infrastructures over the years uh, for central banks. Uh, so, building the infrastructure, owning the infrastructure, working with uh, the industry to clear payments, and also having our own payment brand in the front end. Um, makes these four words of our purpose statement really come alive for us. You come from a very rich uh, background in payments. Uh, uh, just prior to that, you were uh, with on client management at uh, Visa, uh, international cards payments. Uh, not just cards, but you know, all form of digital payments as well. Uh, and before that, PayPal, uh, a disruptor to traditional payments, and American Express. Uh, and when you join NETS, uh, when you look at the history of NETS and the role that NETS has played, uh, is, uh, at the time when you joined in June 2020, uh, uh, what would you say was uh, the role of NETS back then and what opportunity did you see? Uh, cash is still very predominant in Singapore, especially for small merchants, uh, taxis, for example, there, there's still high level of resistance towards uh, digital payments. Um, the market is still very fragmented. Although uh, NETS has this privileged position to drive digital payments formed by the, the three dominant banks, you know, the banks are still doing their own things while they have NETS, you know, uh, to strategically drive some of this. Uh, they were still uh, running their own uh, payment initiative, uh, for example, DBS and AXS, right, which can be you know described as a competitor maybe, uh, and you have also uh, the uh, EasyLink, trans- you know, another big uh, uh, use case for payments that has got EasyLink that competes. Uh, so, uh, when when you join that, what were the opportunity that you see? Uh, that uh, you could do to drive. Thanks, thanks, maybe let me let me pick up a few words that you mentioned before I answer the question. Right? So, I when I was when I started in this line, I used to tell people I was in the card business. Mm. Now it sounds more 
more up to date for me to say I'm in payments. Although everything I've learned in card is totally applicable. Last time you say card, now it's payment credential. How can we improve the experience with better payment credentials? Um, so yeah, so moving from from card payment to payment payment credentials, and and now I'm in the payment industry. Um, you mentioned a lot about competition. Right? Competition, I would say. Competition is good. Right? Competition is good because it gives consumer choice. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we've seen from our own data. When a merchant takes more payment options, the net volume is naturally higher as well because the merchant is very used to it's not averse to digital payments and therefore cash becomes a lower lower priority. And really the privilege I think of being in payments so far. I don't know how long more it will last, but definitely for my generation, the privilege of being in payments is Despite the economic cycle, there's always opportunity to grow because we're really going, we're eating into cash, right? So um, we, we, we have the understanding in the payments industry of discretionary spend, non-discretionary spend. Um, maybe during downtimes of economic cycle, discretionary spend may go down, but non-discretionary spend, whether you're buying, your, you have to buy your groceries, you have to buy, you have to pay your bills, a non-discretionary spend is something that is remains relatively constant regardless of the economic cycle. And because we're going again, cash always so far gives us the opportunity to grow going to your question of what are the opportunities that we that uh, have been identified um, so yes I, I think we I inherited an, an amazing business uh, amazing business of these three entities we spoke about earlier on if I may just focus on the next entity first right if you look at the next entity we are very privileged to be um, owning the infrastructure for all face-to-face payment right? uh, to the extent that we can then add more value right? and what I mean by add more value is because today almost every every shop the terminal or the infrastructure is provided by nets not 100% because there is competition as you rightly said but because we provide the infrastructure for a nets transaction whether it's pin base or today tap or you can scan your QR we then try to make these terminals work more for us right work for, more for us and we supported the government initiative a few years back to go to UPOS right a uniform, unified point of sale so we unified point of sale that terminal not only can take nets can take Visa Master and many other competitive brands mm-hmm. as well um, and therefore the terminal then works more for us we, we then make our make it more cost efficient for us to be placing these terminals at, at the merchant store right so we've got we've done that and we have also now tried to meet the needs of the of the industry especially during COVID when I, I joined during the peak of COVID in June 2020 where uh, even coming to the office felt dangerous um, and at that time the aspect of contactless payments even to today is important but what really helped us at the time was the fact that um, QR which was quite an unknown to the general populace became a way of life because we had to scan before we could enter any building we could scan almost everywhere we went to so scanning a QR and then eventually now paying with QR became 
much more normal than before. So if there's any silver lining to to the, the pandemic is it made digital payments, even at physical face-to-face point of sale, uh, become more dominant. So one of the opportunities we saw, the short-term opportunities we saw, was how can we help increase contactless payments, right, given the infrastructure that we had in Singapore. So contactless payments, we work very closely with the industry uh, to, to push for uh, QR payments. QR payments, especially at Hawkers, um, where we today we have more than 60% of all hawkers in Singapore already can accept one form of digital payment or another. Uh, and I would say it takes a like they say it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. It takes a village to raise a new a new payment uh, a payment form factor like QR. Uh, so from from the incentives that the government had from the incentives that the government gave in terms of trying to educate right, uh, educate the the sellers the merchants to take more digital payments plus all the effort that was put in by the payments industry, I think that really saw an, an increase. But if I may say that that is good, uh, but we must always be looking for, for growth opportunities. Right? So if I just focus on local, right? just fo- focus on Singapore and the opportunities that we saw, we definitely saw an opportunity to increase ourselves and be more relevant at the merchant front mm-hmm. um, because competition is increasing and we want to remain relevant. We, n- we never saw ourselves as an, our role to get 100%, but how do we continue to be relevant to our consumers and so result relevant to our merchants and as a result relevant to our shareholders. Um, and the focus for increasing rel- how we can increase our relevance domestically at point of sale was to look at user experience. User experience is very key. Um, as you mentioned, transportation mm-hmm. is still a big opportunity to increase user experience. Um, as you mentioned, even um, from the, uh, the Heartland stores, um, the long tail, very important to how can we get more digital payments. Uh, and it's not just a cost issue always, it's, it's, it's the, the time taken, it's the efficiencies, that the, the real and the perceived efficiencies that the, the users can feel. Both on the merchant side and on the user side. So we're looking at how can we increase um, this um, point of sale efficiency. Things like tap, for example, increase in tap transactions, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is not new. It's not rocket science. It's already happened in Singapore. But for mm-hmm. Nets now, how can we do more tap transactions in addition to scanning of QRs? Then, of course, the other great opportunity we saw was, and it's no secret, that we are not very strong online. Right? So we really have a real nice privileged position in the offline or face-to-face payments. Uh, but in the online e-commerce space, we are, I would say, not a payment option of choice today and that was something we saw as an opportunity and something that we really wanted to make a difference in uh, using transportation as an idea um, we, we then launched this product called NetsClick and we did it with uh, comfort um, where it's in the industry we call cut, like a cart on file experience right? so when you go into the app of, of the merchant app you can then choose uh, the different options and NetsClick will be an option where you can put your Nets cart as a cart on file that every subsequent ride that you do you can then in, charge in it app, yeah, in yeah. in-app in payment so that's that's something we have done and something that we hope to 
to, to do even more with more with more uh, with more apps. We know that in Singapore today, more than sixty percent of all e-commerce takes place in app and no, not web, but uh, in app uh, mobile payment. So it's something that we really want to push even harder mm-hmm. uh, to to get more relevance in the online e-commerce space so i think if i summarize it from a from a nets entity standpoint is how do we increase our relevance um, at the merchant front with better user experience how do we improve our relevance online and last but not least is then how do we increase our relevance to our merchants right what can nets bring to to our merchants so whether it's an um, a face-to-face merchant with the terminals that we put there what more can we do what more can we do for you right so in almost any survey whether it's Singapore or almost any market that mm-hmm. it, and we have done as well we know that there are different um, um, reasons or, or criteria that the merchant is looking for one of the one of the criteria that almost every country every merchant would say is uh, the concept of a one-stop shop what more value-added services can we give to the merchant mm-hmm. given that we are already there right and so we talk about uh, early on we talk about UPOS right where that terminal can serve other purposes mm-hmm. um, what more can we then provide in the terminal to help uh, um, merchants is something that we're looking at and ho- hoping to, to test and then to launch and, and see the receptiveness in the market we're also working with our merchants to underst- help them understand their customers right. with the data that we have um, the data that we can create different types of customer profile uh, to help our customers especially the face to face merchants who mm-hmm. probably find it slightly more difficult than e-commerce merchants to understand the customer because the data that they collect from the customers is much less than in the online space so helping with our data how can we help our merchants especially offline merchants understand what type of customer profile is coming into their store what type of customer profiles are they strong at relative mm-hmm. to their competition relative to the industry and what time are they weak at and how can they increase the profile of the weaker and how can they defend the profile where they are strong in and it's something that we've started working with a few merchants here in Singapore and received very good uh, very good reception from them so talk about some of the pain points uh, for Nets as a you know as acquirer as a payment processor right uh, in uh, working in this space the offline space working with merchants I'm sure from a merchant's perspective there's a lot of fragmentation because there are a lot of acquirers because there are a lot of payments service provider uh, so so much so that there are uh, uh, fintechs coming into the space looking to uh, provide uh, uh, wallet payments and so on and so forth uh, which should all be consolidated and you have individual banks as well going to the merchants um, how much consolidation can be done under net as the one acquirer uh, especially working with the banks that are now under nets. Uh, how much fragmentation is there actually that cause you know confusion to acquirers today? And, and is that something that 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 that, uh, that can be you know, uh, improved on? Okay, so I, I I think it's definitely our role from a commercial company to to try to win the hearts and minds of our 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 consumers so that they will use nets more it is also our role to ensure that where they want to use we sign up the merchants for them to use and i think generally all payment options are thinking that same way 
exactly. Then how do we influence that given that we have the infrastructure? And it then to me comes down to economics, right? How does it make sense for the different players to leverage what we already have? in front of the cashier and how can we then make it even more efficient for the merchant especially from a reporting and reconciliation standpoint so if I wear the merchant lens right, because you talk about fermentation confusion um, maybe let's speak segment by segment right? so I, I think from a, from a merchant standpoint reporting and reconciliation very important for payments right? they have to be consulted almost every payment um, that's something that we can help um, for nets and potentially for other payment options given again the, the infrastructure that, that we have so going back to that point of how can we be that one-stop shop these are the different values that we can we can bring uh, to the merchant front Having said that, if you walk up now to almost any basement in a in a department store in a, in a shopping center in Singapore, uh, you may see at one merchant multiple options to pay, multiple terminals sometimes, multiple QRs sometimes, right? Um, is it our role as Nets Entity to try to make a difference there? To some extent, yes, but largely, we, if I may say, we, we have to look after what's relevant for our business, to our buyers and to the, to the merchant, because every payment option will be trying to, to win the hearts and minds of, and wallets of their, of their users there. Um, I think the, uh, the different industry bodies in Singapore has been doing a very good job, SGQR being one, one example, right, where we play the central depository, as in BCS, the, the, one of our entities plays a central depository of SGQR. Um, but we still allow that competition with SGQR. So a diff- the, different pay- the different payloads of the different payment options appears on that one QR. Right? And of course, we, we being owning, uh, being part of the Nets group, Nets entity also definitely supports and doesn't put a separate, <laughs> separate QR, but we support the SGQR and put our payload within, within the QR. So yes, I think we are in a space where there is um, some form of order that is coming in uh, or has, has already started and we definitely want to promote that uh, and we want to give the opportunity for the consumer to then make that choice mm-hmm. we want to give the opportunity to some extent for the merchant to make that choice but I think the ability to make the choice is something that we do not want to take away uh, but we want to give the different user experiences the different economics the different pricing that we can put in play to help make that choice in our favour on, on that uh, area of uh, pushing more uh, online payments uh, you gave the example of clicks working with uh, uh, comfort they'll go uh, tell us in terms of uh, adoption right now in terms of uh, usage um, obviously those areas are, are very familiar to uh, users who are using you know, the competition like Grab and their apps are already in app where they can uh, link with you know, a credit card or even a, a debit account and so on and so forth. Um, how, how is that uh, generating uh, traction? Um, so it's early days for us. We made a, a minimal viable uh, product available in the market and we are understanding what are the pain points that exist in our product 
we are clearing through those pain points uh, before we invest in scale to uh, across different uh, apps in, in the marketplace. Uh, but with with the more than a handful now of merchants that we have using Netsclick, we are seeing the adoption increase. I wouldn't say because we provide a superior user experience because our experience is as good as or maybe slightly better but definitely as good as a normal card on file experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I think our economics, uh, Nets being able to provide, being a debit product, uh, provide better economics for the merchant is what the merchant likes and given our experience in managing merchants, especially from a reporting and a reconciliation standpoint is something that we know how to meet the needs of the merchant and that's what uh, the merchant likes as well. So we also understand that in, in e-commerce the um, or in online payments, right, the the concept of con uh, of uh, conversions and minimizing drop-offs mm -hmm. uh, with this card and file experience that we're working with merchants and, and maintaining their safety and security is something that we I think have been able to bring to this online space and getting more 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 traction. So t talk also about payments today. Payment do not exist on its own. Payment is part of an important ecosystem, right? So in this day and age of super apps, um, uh, would NAS consider itself becoming a super app, linking an ecosystem and making payments part of it. But you know, you are also extending into other areas like providing uh, a financing solution to uh, merchants, right? So um, so today, TAP, for example, uh, exists as flashcard, uh, NetsPay, but uh, it, to, to make it really successful as in-app, would it be more successful as part of a super or having your own super app. I, 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 I hear you. I, I think there is uh, many good success stories, mm -hmm. especially in, in China and even in Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. the names you mentioned. Yeah where the super app is uh, has proven successful over time. 70,000 merchants in your network? Well, we have, we have, we have not so many, but 120,000 points yeah. where, where, where Nets can be used, mm -hmm. right? Nets as a payment option. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned Nets as a payment option relative to a super app. Yeah. Today, we try to understand the role that Nets plays. And again, I focus on Nets Entity. Yeah. So for Nets Entity, it can be described as we are a scheme. Mm. Other similar international schemes would be like Visa Master. Okay. Scheme meaning that we bring the issuers and the acquirer together. The issuers own the buyer, the acquirers own the merchant. Right, so we are scheme, the net scheme, the local debit scheme in Singapore. We play the role of a scheme <coughs> and we also play the role of a acquirer. So we manage the, the merchant side. So our focus or our strength today is on the merchant relationships because we are the acquire for every net transaction in Singapore. Our banks, whether our shareholder banks or the participating banks, they bring us the consumers. Mm -hmm. The consumers either can use through their phone or they can use through a physical plastic to either use a PIN transaction, a tap transaction at our point of sale. And as we're saying now, even online with, with, yeah. with some apps and hoping to make that even, even more. So the consumers actually come from our issuers, 
being a scheme owner mm-hmm. the merchants actually we do it ourselves because we're not only the scheme owner but the acquirer for the for the the merchants so to move down the super app is not in our objective yeah because we don't own the uh, we don't own the consumers, consumers right we own the the merchants you mentioned just now also that we provide uh, or we started um, piloting uh, merchant cash advance. Uh, merchant cash advance is a form of uh, working capital loan mm. uh, for our merchants. The lender on record is our banks, not, not us, no. but the data yeah. that we get permission to share for the merchant data, the payments data, so that they can be- do better underwriting um, for the lenders can, would, is then provided by us. Yeah. So yes, we, we do do that, but again, as you can see, mm. the, the focus is our relationship is with the merchant and that's why we can do it. Oh. So, in essence, you are more a utility provider to the banks. Tell us in terms of uh, commercial aspect. Uh, Sorry, I, 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 if I may interrupt. Yeah. We are not a utility provider to the banks because we own a business relationship with the merchants. So, I, I would like to see us as really providing value to the merchants. Mm-hmm. The more value we can provide to the merchants, uh, in addition to the net transactions they see, mm-hmm. that's our reason for existence with the merchants. So, so the merchants are your primary customers okay. where you're deriving commercial value uh, from. Um, so, um, uh, tell us in terms of the business uh, model, uh, mainly is a merchant discount that you're earning from uh, and where does the bank comes in and you're owned by the banks, um, how does the commercial part of it you know, uh, pan out? So I think like, like any, um, like, like any um, payment today, rightly, wrongly, the, the entity that pays for that transaction uh, for majority 99% of payments across the world no different for us our customer is a merchant because the merchant pays us the fee for that mm-hmm. and because the merchant pays us a fee for that we must provide a price value equation to the merchant what value do we then give to the merchant as a result of the price they're paying for each transaction right and when the merchant pays a fee like in any um business model that exists today that is the closed loop and the open loop mm-hmm. right in a closed loop the the owner of the buyer the customer is also the owner of the merchant uh, then they just share whatever the merchant pays in an open loop where the owner of the customer may not be the same as the owner of the merchant then there is a there's a form of price sharing of what the merchant pays mm-hmm. so that same concept that exists across the world also exists for us so t- tell us in terms of the, the the numbers, the volumes, the revenue that uh, you know Nets uh, make in, in all your lines of business. I, I, I think I mean I, w- I won't go down to the to the exact numbers, but if we, if we look at what what we do today, right, we are we are very relevant. I would say in the face to face, in the everyday spend, mm-hmm. right, um, in the everyday spend journey. And that's what we also focus on with together with our banks, not just our shareholder banks, but all, all our banks that can uh, that issue a net product. Everyday spend from the moment you wake up, you take your transportation for mass transit to buying your coffee before you come to the office, going for lunch, taking your transportation home, and potentially even buying dinner for the family. All this everyday spend including buying groceries on the way home can be done with a Nets product. It can be done through your phone, can be done through a piece of plastic, can be done through pin or tech. 
Right. So, in terms of everyday spend, that's really our, our focus. Uh, are we focused on the high-end luxury goods? No, we're not. Are we focused on cross-border? It's something we haven't talked about, yep. but I definitely would like to talk about. Yes. Right. So, cross-border today is still a very small part of our yep. business, but it's something that we're very excited and we want to do. We want to do more. But from an everyday spend, not so much again the the luxury spend. Uh, everyday spend definitely we are very relevant. Is it our objective to go into the luxury spend? No. Is it our ex- objective to go into the cross-border spend? Yes. Okay. Talk, talk about cross-border uh, spend. You're part of Asia uh, Payments Network, right? And uh, right now there are uh, active cross-border payments. Um, you know, arrangement with Bank of Thailand, right? Uh, uh, and also with Malaysia, uh, PayNet, right? Yeah, uh, and uh, PromPay, PayNet. Th- those are the two. T- tell us in terms of the opportunity for cross-border payments uh, for Net and for uh, for for Asia, you uh, know, uh, payment network. Uh, will there eventually be uh, easy to use? cross-border payments, uh, uh, retail, you know, for retail payments as we travel, there's a lot of, you know, regional travel, right, sure. uh, for tourism, for business. For cross-border payments, uh, if I if I take it at, <coughs> at one level, um, for the account to account, as you rightly pointed out as an example, we launched the Pompey Pay Now, yeah. right? So from a, from a, as a Pay Now user, you cannot only pay somebody in Singapore, just by knowing um, the NRSC or the phone mobile number, basically, um, we can then we now can do it with uh, a friend, um, an acquaintance in Thailand as well. Uh, we believe this is the first in the world where we have connected uh, account to account uh, with mobile being the proxy. This was done at the industry level uh, by BCS as the operator, uh, which is part of the Nets entity, as mentioned. Uh, but we're the operator for this, right? And I think we played a big role by being the operator that enabled this. But the, of course, the sender bank and the receiving bank are the, the, the financial institutions across two, two countries. And it's still defined as in the pilot stage. So we, we're still very careful. We kept the, the limit of the transaction, thousand sing dollars, right? Uh, and we, me- we measure velocity and all that yeah. to make sure that everything is... How, how is that doing? Because that's been like almost a, a year or, or so it's already. Been, it's, it's definitely picked up. Uh, a lot with especially with borders opening now more um, so it's a it's a two-way flow where we get uh, inbound and, and both outbound. it can be used for remittance uh, outbound inbound it can be used but uh, I mean given the size of it today it is still um, the use cases would definitely improve when the, when the limits are, are increased um, but I think for now it's, it is it is going well and we're looking at different corridors as, mm. as mentioned so I'll say account to account where we play the operator role uh, supporting the industry here in Singapore and supporting the industry on the other side is something that we are very committed to to make it work at a national level. Mm-hmm. Going back to our purpose statement of connecting communities, yeah. now we really have the privilege to connect communities across countries mm-hmm. and not just, not just in Singapore. Then there's the other aspect of, so what, what I just shared account to account is what other people call an industry person-to-person P2P yeah. payment. So there's also P2M. Right? Today we can do P2M, person-to-merchant in Singapore on with a piece of plastic where you have to pin or you tap 
and you can also do P2M with scanning the QR yeah. in the hawkers. We are also, during this COVID period since I've joined, I've been working very closely with my team and also talking to our peers and colleagues in other markets in terms of how we can establish corridors mm -hmm. where we can do person to merchant payments when they are in here in Singapore mm -hmm. and when our buyers go to, to their market. The, the real privilege of that we can offer is in Singapore, although it's a small market, but as you know, it's a real hub for travel. Yeah. Uh, and as things are opening up, travel is starting again. People do come through Singapore, come to Singapore. Um, and as I shared earlier on, we're not only the scheme for Nets, we are also the acquirer. Oh. So the moment we say yes, we can almost open up almost every point, subject to the commercials, uh, to an inbound user. Right? As compared to, to many other markets where we work with, uh, the scheme and the acquirer are separate entities, and therefore we have to work with them slowly for them to increase the acceptance points for an inbound uh, user that goes into their market. So today we are, we, we are working, we have, just before COVID, we launched uh, for Malaysia for CART, mm. right? So if you go today to definitely Johor, Malacca, KL, Penang, okay, uh, you can use your Nets card to, to pin with a pin to, to do a transaction. Um, we are now having conversations in for Malaysian corridors and many other corridors in terms of for QR payments. Right. And, and the benefit we see, the benefit we see for this is just like here in Singapore, Nets QR payments in the long tail, in the smallest merchants in our heartland areas is where QR payments is very dominant. Yep. And the inter international schemes are not so strong there. Mm. That's the value we bring here and that's the value we think we can bring in other countries as well. If we can get access to QR payments in other places, more digital payments can happen in the night markets. Okay. More digital payments at a micropayment level and more digital payments can and that means for, for a traveller they will then have a need to carry less cash right so not just for the larger payments of your hotel bill mm -hmm. that you can use digital payments but even the smaller payments uh, for p2m standpoint you can use with with qr okay and a lot of this is happening at the bilateral level whether between thailand or malaysia i'll talk about uh, asia payment network so this is uh, created under the 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 aegis of the asean economic uh, community or council to drive you know uh, this kind of single you know, regional market, so to speak. Uh, for those uh, issues that you mentioned, you know, uh, whether the acquirers and the operators are the same, uh, are there too many of this complexity for it to work? How much uh, bilateral work is being done at, uh, at Asia Payment Network? Uh, how active is it? Uh, or a lot of it is actually happening at the bilateral level. Uh, between countries which has got infrastructure and players who are relatively more ready. Let me speak from a commercial yeah. sense standpoint. From a commercial sense standpoint, I, I shared about the account-to-account P2P yeah. and then the person to, to mer merchant with a QR. For this to happen cross-border, I think one fundamental uh, prerequisite needs to happen. And the fundamental prerequisite is domestically, it must be a relevant payment option. If it's not relevant domestically, no point creating a cross-border, even one corridor. Because if I don't know how to use it domestically, I will not use it for cross-border. Next. That we, we, we really help. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, for 
if I use P2P standpoint, mm. um, being BCS the operator for for PayNow, um, where all the banks are very supportive, um, and we have PayNow. I think the statistic is more than seventy percent of Singaporeans have already downloaded and used PayNow before. Right, so domestically PayNow is very relevant. So when we did Pompey PayNow, mm. it's not something that people would. It becomes very intuitive because yeah. they really do do it domestically, and they, there's trust in the system already. Mm-hmm. So if, if it wasn't the case, and we just launch PayNow now, we would not be doing a cross-border corridor because it wouldn't be too intuitive, and the safety and security that trust element will not be there yet. So that prerequisite of account to account must be relevant domestically it's the same for P2M right today uh, as, as I we shared earlier on uh, with COVID more than 60% of our hawkers now accept QR as a form of payment uh, more and more people keep on using and we more and more when I see my daily stats we can see that number increasing becomes even easier when uh, when you and I go to another market and mm. see a QR and we're told that we can scan and that QR then becomes more and more uh, we, we get more comfortable with it yeah. oh. and of course we're also looking to make sure we're price competitive from a foreign exchange standpoint so that um, they feel as if it's as good as using cash so in terms of the domestic payments uh, for P2P uh, uh, scanning of QR you, you also mentioned tab right uh, which is uh, NFC a, a lot of it um, from a user perspective a better user experience uh, what's the preference between tab and uh, scan both are increasing from a net standpoint both are increasing very aggressively oh. um, from my experience in my previous life yep. right um, the real benefit of tap and scan is the understanding that we are penetrating against cash mm-hmm. yeah. not so much beating my competition mm-hmm. not but from a consumer uh, perspective there is a preference right it's a preference because it's so easy yeah. I don't think twice I don't I don't have to look and then I get more used to it mm-hmm. as a result I withdraw less cash from my ATM right uh, during the, the pandemic there was nearly a, a fifth to a quarter reduction in uh, ATM withdrawals as well oh. right so as more and more of us get more used to digital payments get less reliant on cash and we then use digital payments even more okay from a merchant perspective from a cost perspective uh, QR code is kind of more cost effective because you, you just need the code <laughs> the, 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 the QR where scan you probably need a device to, to, to scan that's all from a user perspective I, I think scan might be the more preferred because it's so easy so I think you're talking from a merchant point of view right? from a merchant point of view especially for F&B we just focus on F&B first Mm. right for F&B if you go into our UNESCO Mm. hawker centers right recognized hawker centers um we believe that the QR is a better form factor, not just from a cost standpoint, but from a user experience. With a terminal, as you probably know, if you done uh, with a tap transaction, a merchant still has to touch the screen. Mm-hmm. With oily, wet fingers, okay. it becomes a bit more cumbersome. Mm-hmm. But with QR payments, the merchant doesn't have to touch yeah, anything. Yeah. Right, so they can continue preparing their food. They can continue, uh, and we have created. Um, for all merchants and especially for our hawkers what we call the Net, NetsBiz app 
So on their own, their own phones, they can download our app as a merchant. Whenever a transaction takes place, there would be a sound, there would be an amount that is being read out and comes out with the largest font mm-hmm. on the phone. Yeah. So the merchant actually doesn't have to rely on the consumer to show how much I paid. Okay. But the merchant can actually just trust their own phone. When they see the payment on their own phone, they know that the payment has been made through QR. So the user experience for the form factor of QR in itself is very strong mm-hmm. uh, for F&B. For retail, yes and no. You can argue that card or terminal is as good as, um, but again, depending on the type of retail, right? So from a from a quick um, and larger ticket size, and I always use the example of a durian shop. Mm. <laughs> right? Durians are not that cheap, but... Uh, oh yeah, Nikki Williams, right? Yeah, so it, from food stalls, right? Food stalls yeah. uh, using QR payments also a very good form factor. They can continue to cut, they can continue to serve you, put it in the styrofoam box, wrap it up and the payment is done. They, they hear through their own phone, their own phone, their own device and they trust their own phone, their own device that the transaction has been made. So they wouldn't come into the situation where for example it's uh, $33 yeah. for the <laughs> durian that you bought but the, if the consumer key in $3.30 they can see it themselves, they can see the error straight away. They don't have to take out, move their glasses and check whether you actually pay me when they show the phone. Right. So it's, it's something that we've been working very closely to understand what is the best user experience for our merchants. Okay. So, so despite COVID and the inconvenience that it's caused and, and this whole move towards uh, contactless, uh, still you have 40% of merchants who, who, who resist it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds negative. Like okay. I'll, I'll focus on the glass half full or yeah. more than half full, okay. right? Sixty percent have been moving in that direction, okay. and it's happening every day, right? Every day we have almost a hundred new merchants signing up, and as you probably know, rightly wrongly in the FMB space, there's a lot of churn. There's a lot of churn, churn in, in that industry and, and as more new merchants come up, more new merchants are, are being very open to digital payments as well. Okay. Uh, some industry trend in terms of uh, open finance, right? The use of APIs, going on the cloud and so on and so forth, you know, open banking, uh, embedded finance. Uh, what's your take on this and how does it impact uh, net um, you know, uh, APIs. Are, 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 you know, the merchants that you are working, the bigger ones would would be relevant, right? Are, are APIs relevant to the small merchants? So, I mean, APIs per se, to me, is a form of communications yeah. between one entity and another. When we do online payments, definitely APIs become a much easier way to connect uh, to us or to any other entity. So for Online payments today, it is not just the big merchants, but even the smaller merchants are looking at have online payments. So I would say that this is no longer um, a barrier, right? Um, Many or almost every every merchant who is in online payments. can do online, are, are able to connect for, for payments uh, to happen. Um, I, I think the, 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 the important criteria of safety and security in the transaction, the important criteria of having a good user experience um, happens today because of a few, a few things. Right? Um, 
not so long ago not so long ago we did all e-commerce transactions on the web more and more transactions then took place on mobile devices but still web-based mm -hmm. the focus at that time was then how do we and that was probably about six seven years ago only how do we then mobilize a website so that it becomes mobile friendly mm. from there it moved to in-app transactions right and in-app transactions as, as um, happened also because in terms of there's more consolidation in the online retail uh, space and more and more of the consolidation took place on apps so it moved from mobile web to app Many of these sellers could either sell on these marketplaces or could mm. sell on by their, by themselves. Yeah. If they sold on the marketplace, they would need API integration as well. If they sold by themselves as well and created their own websites, mm. uh, they needed API integration to connect with payment players like us. Yeah. So I think the, the industry has really moved. Will more consolidation happen? I think so, yes. Um, will payments user experience keep on changing? I think it will um, and it, it will move it will continue to move I, I believe where mm. more and more payments becomes less important in the whole process right um, I've been in I use I, I make a joke that I used to say I, I was in the card industry now I say I'm, I'm in payments you're in the app industry now <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you know, in last time in the card industry the color of the card is so important it's still important today yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it's not yeah, material even material even but now you don't even see the card yeah and the payment is made from your even our ATM card mm. right Let's click as an example yeah. you don't even have to see what the card and the transaction has taken place mm. so it's moved from one form factor of a physical hard plastic to metal mm. yeah. to what we call now a payment credential yeah. with that payment credential which is safe and secure you can, it, we can now do that transaction yeah. and, and when the business is moved to the app even for a hawker their, their business uh, virtually go online as well because it's no longer the person standing in front of you ordering food it's someone ordering food through the app which then you prepare and then someone will pick it up and send to the user who can still be at home uh, so, so that's the opportunity for online I, I, I think I think if I may add the 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 real transformation opportunity that will happen mm. at the industry level is when capacity increases. Mm. Right? And I think we're starting to see some of it. And to I think that at least from, from my understanding from a it will happen when 5G becomes more dominant. Mm -hmm. When data can move faster, quicker, and decisioning can be done faster, the user experiences will then change again, I think, to a level where we are not experiencing today. So I think that will be the next leap change for payments when capacity of uh, um, information flow increases. Okay. 5G for some of the... Uh, again, you are dealing with daily payments for everyday life a smaller value yeah that won't change for us right mm. today we are really the everyday spend mm. being a debit scheme we are not going after the the, the high end yeah. uh, we are starting to, to do the cross-border but even across border we're looking at how to be relevant cross-border right and again it's not potentially to pay your hotel bill yeah. but to to pay in places where you couldn't pay traditionally mm. so 
where I'm coming from, I think when 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 speed and capacity increases, 5G as an example, mm-hmm. um, that's where the user experiences will change and payments may change as a result of that. Okay, you you, you mentioned earlier uh, safety security is is a primary concern for your merchants for your for your users. Um, a lot of what goes through is daily uh, kind of expenditure, small ticket relatively. Um, um, what what kind of what level of uh, fraud or you know or, or you know cybersecurity issues uh, do you have to uh, kind of manage as compared to maybe well like a visa when when they have bigger items and a lot of online commerce. I like to think that we are we are not short at all. Mm-hmm. Right? We we understand payments here at Nets, uh, whether it is face to face transactions or e commerce transactions. Um, very blessed at this point in time since I've joined, even from what I said prior, we have not had a major breach. Do we sit on our laurels? No, yeah. right? Because you can never, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we always have to be one step ahead. We work very closely with our regulators, with the industry, to understand what are the best practices, what are the, what's what's the minimum, and what's the bar we want to set for ourselves above the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, again, not being complacent, but we're in a we're in a good place. Oh. We're in a good place from a from a fraud standpoint or from a cyber security being penetrated uh, by by any of the domestic or world hackers. Of course, on the other side, when you do more more, uh, cross-border payments and higher volume, uh, AML issues, KYC issues will also come in as well. We we are starting, as I shared, for cross-border, we are starting on a bilateral, Mm. not a network. It means we are not going into a multi-country arrangement straight away. I think... Of course, we'd love to be that one day, right? But for now, and from a bilateral level, and we are speaking to the next equivalent in another market, yep. right? And of course, we also have the support of our, from a G2G standpoint, mm. uh, to ensure that the entities we speak to are the right entities as well. Uh, and that allows us to make sure that this minimum standards, whether it is KYC, AML, are definitely adhered to and, and not compromised. Okay. And, and finally, I, I know I've taken a lot of your time, uh, what are some of the future going forward initiative uh, growth plans and priorities for you? So for 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 Nets entity, mm. it is very important for us to stay relevant. I like to use the word relevant and not domineering. Yeah. <laughs> right. Relevant f- for our buyers, relevant for our merchants, and as a result, relevant to our shareholders and our participating issuers. And relevant means a certain skill. What is that relevant skill can can differ? And we always need to look at different ways to increase that relevance. So as I mentioned domestically, for face-to-face and for e-commerce, we're creating new products and always launching new products helping our merchants with add more value mm. with the merchant cash and advance helping them go online, yes. and helping them go online and, and being accept, able to accept nets as a, as a payment factor online. 
and even helping our merchants receive inbound customers mm-hmm. uh, as more and more travel starts to assume uh, we've been uh, as doing this corridors opening up corridors for P2M when when more and more shoppers come into Singapore tourists come to Singapore mm-hmm. they can then the use favorite uh, y- what, the hawkers to yes <laughs> correct and they can use it at they can do they can pay digital payments even at at a hawker right so we are working very aggressively to bring more value domestically and from a cross-border standpoint so from a cross-border standpoint inbound and even outbound making it easier for our users to use and I think for the other parts of the Nets Group entity is how do we continue to serve the industry well mm-hmm. right and and to serve the industry well if I may say requires a slightly different mindset from just commercial driving revenue up right and how do we always ensure that the we do not compromise on any of our standards any of our commitments um, working very closely with our regulators as well to make sure that we are serving the industry as per the level that we we have set for us and making sure that each the different constituents within the industry's uh, needs are met Okay. Great. Thank you, Lawrence, for speaking to us. No, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. you and uh, I'm sure this will be the start of you know, a series of conversations that we will have uh, on payments as you uh, progress into uh, some of this cross-border initiative and increasingly uh, as you move uh, to the online space. Looking forward looking forward to update and, and uh, on, on the progress that we're making. Okay. Great. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you. Listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.